Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with me, Kid Presentable. I like that change-up. People won't know why it's a change-up, but I like it. Finally, joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. People don't, I mean, people have no caught. It was funny to me and you a little bit, and maybe Mark and Stefan. But yeah, this is our second, you know, it's our second go at the intro here. Mike gave a very different intro the first time we did this, and we, I, and, I, and we all laid out for him. We made him go last to give him room to do it, and then he just goes, hello. I would I would like to continue on with what you said before we started recording the second time, that I am the king of the contextless jokes. I said references. Whatever. Not, not even listening to me. You're not funny, Mike. They're not jokes. They're not funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right, I boys and girls. Them to jokes. They're just references that you make. All right, boys and girls, we got some news, and at this point, you probably heard about it because you're an MMA fan, and this was biggest news we had in quite some time. Um, the too long didn't read version of it is uh, Gilbert Burns out, Jorge Masvidal in, and he's fighting Usman on Saturday. Um, basically, what happened um, was. So the UFC's um, credit is due here because their uh, protocol for all these tests you got to pass and where you have to take all these tests and the amount of quarantining you have to do before you get the fight at Fight Island, really a step up from the bullshit they were putting in Florida. So nice to see an improvement. So the way I understand it is that you need to be tested before you get on the plane or you got to pass some sort of test before you get on the plane to end up in Las Vegas. Then in Las Vegas, you get tested again before you can fly to Fight Island, which is uh, Yaz Island in uh, Abu Dhabi. Then when you get to Abu Dhabi, you get tested again, and you got to quarantine. And then I think a couple days after that, you got to get tested one more time. Gilbert Burns didn't get on the plane from Florida to Las Vegas, wasn't feeling so hot, uh, man has coronavirus. He's young, healthy, God willing, everything works out, and he's okay. Um, apparently, he said he just has a pretty bad headache, and that it's getting, he says it's already feeling a little bit better, but, um, so immediately, a um, couple people said they're willing to fight. Um, one of them was Jorge Masvidal, the other one was Colby Covington, and he wasn't serious. So, the UFC um, went to Jorge Masvidal, the man who was supposed to be in this fight, if you remember correctly, uh, three, four months ago, the UFC said they wanted to do Usman versus Masvidal. Um, and then Jorge Masvidal realized he was worth a certain amount of money, and it didn't work out. Uh, UFC blinked, called Masvidal, though. And uh, Masvidal didn't get exactly, didn't get everything he wanted, for, though, though it sounds like he got enough of what he wanted to get this fight booked. Um, so now, on six days' notice, Jorge Masvidal uh, is challenging for the welterweight championship of the world. Um, Mike, your immediate reaction. 
This is all pending, of course. Everybody's testing negative for everything the rest of the week. I guess my first reaction is more just the question as to, I wonder how much of the stuff he actually got because it has to be pretty close to the things he was asking for because he really had no incentive to have to take the fight. The UFC was put over a barrel on this one. So my first reaction is I'm happy for Masvidal, although six days notice for a fight against Usman, that's that's pretty rough. Yeah, tall order. And um, Steph, um, uh, this is some, this is like a good example of I think why people ask and people wonder sometimes like why do you like why does it not matter if like the Diaz brothers win or not or you know why does it not matter if Donald Cerrone wins or not that they always have the loyalty of the fans this is you know this is almost unique to MMA right that I'll do it on a week's notice I don't give a fuck and that's the type of stuff that makes you kind of legendary for fight fans wouldn't you say um yeah to what you're saying like we we've said we've been making this argument for as long as we've been doing this podcast. You get different types of guys who go into MMA. Um, some guys are uber athletes, right? They have this football background. Uh, we don't like him. He's obviously not a friend of the podcast, but look at the platform Greg Hardy's been given because he was an incredibly well known NFL player. Um, but then you know, to you mentioned the Diaz to Masvidal, he's a fighter. These are the fighter fighters and this guy's that extra level because that video game we all loved growing up street fighter he was one of those <laughs> hanging out next to kimbo slice uh there's that they're, they're pushing that kimbo documentary and uh who do you see in that old footage is a uh, young neophyte jorge masvidal right you know he's just yep. he's a man of the streets from the streets fighting w- with the code of the streets you know um He's that blue collar guy you, you love to root for. He's like that true underdog. Um, to what he got, I'm nervous about it, right? Because, you know, when he was raising up a stink, we liked it, right? What it has always come back to is unionization. Um, but this sounds like how it always goes, right? Just pay, just pay the loudest guy. We don't got to pay all of them. We don't, well, I mean, you know, Steph, like, he did. He did make. I mean, we got to see how it goes from here. But he did yeah, say he says he's not going to shut up. It's he too says early to, shut up. to yeah. put that up, but like. If he's saying he's happy with what he got, you know, it's just a, it remains to be seen of how much he'll still champion everything he was saying, right? If he, if he got it, because um, it's about what the lowest guys get, but hey, he's that street hustler. He's always going to be that guy who gets what he's worth. And, you know, you're happy for him. He's exciting as hell to watch. Like there's no loser in this scenario besides Gilbert Burns in his camp, right? Everyone else wins. Yeah. uh, Marcus, uh, we'll get into the odds of his, him winning or not um, when we make our picks. And we all agree it's a tall order. But you got to admire the fact that he somehow put himself in basically a no-lose situation. Uh, and is just the man's just become a hero just for saving the card, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of upsides. There's not a ton of down. I mean, the downside is, you know, there some fighters don't get a lot of shots at the title. And... Masvidal is a guy that's been around for a long time and has only gotten the only one I can think of is when he fought Gil, Gilbert Melendez for the, the uh, strike force championship. So, I mean, the only potential downside is that like you might, you don't always get a lot of cracks at this, but we've also seen guys that get a lot of cracks at it like Faber. So, and I think a part of that is the, the popularity, right? I think that plays a lot into it. And I think that's why this isn't as dangerous as a fight for some other fighters that might not get this opportunity all that much that might not see themselves at the top of the ladder or on those first couple rungs where they're going to get the call. But obviously, 
this scenario played out to his benefit greatly. I have to also imagine that this had to be in the back of his head that this is a possibility that might happen, that one of these two guys might, you know, get injured or potentially sick like they did, and he might be able to slot in there. And like Mike said, be able to go to the negotiating table with some actual power behind you, because that's what he was lacking before is that when he was making his big, you know, almost like stink, but when he was making his argument that he needs to get paid more, they, they found another contender, right? They, Gilbert Burns had done enough to climb the ranks to make it a feasible jump that him and Usman should fight. And, and we'll get into it during the fight. I think that's also, it's an interesting, compelling fight. Um, but Masvidal had to know this was a reality that, that could come to fruition. And he played his cards right. And like you said, we don't really know what happened on the negotiation table. We have to imagine that they appeased him to some extent because he did not seem interested in taking the fight earlier when they weren't really upping the, the contract enough. So obviously something happened there. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what plays out. Um, I, I think you guys raised great points about the whole talk about unions. It is about kind of everybody and the guys that are going to pull the big, big paychecks being on that line because that's what stopped it in the past. Your Chuck Liddell's and Couture's were never interested in joining the ranks of the guys that weren't ranked because they're making bank. You know, they're doing just fine for themselves. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, honestly, the fight itself, I think, is more marketable. I think Masvidal is obviously a huger draw than Burns. Um, but like you mentioned before, and we'll get to a little later in the show, it, it's a tough call for him. I think stylistically it's a tough matchup, but he's ready. He's game. This, this is kind of what his whole shtick is about, is like this dude fights at a, at, at a moment's notice. That's kind of been the shtick since he's fighting on the streets um, to today. So, you know, all eyes are on him. The pressure is mounting. You know, he has more riding on him than ever before. The biggest prize of his career is in front of him. Um, on six days' notice, you know, there's a lot of compelling narratives going here for Masvidal. It would be fantastic if he's able to pull it off. I think we're all rooting yeah. for him. But it, it's, it, it makes the card compelling, and it makes me even more interested to watch it, and I was already sold. So, Yeah, um, an absurd amount of pressure on Kamara Usman, by the way, on this one. Um, yeah, he'll get paid. Everything's he can... for Jorge. Everything's tough for honestly. Usman, no... Usman's been making it like he's been a make. He's been adamant that Jorge's just not on a championship level. You know, um, if he loses to him on six days' notice, and we all kind of know the way it looks like for Usman to lose this fight, it won't exactly be you know pretty if it happens too. You it know what will... I mean? The reaction after that, after that fight, if Masvidal wins in the way we think Masvidal would win this fight, it will remind me a lot of when uh, Bisping beat Rocco. What do you mean? People not like people not believing it's possible, or just like Bisping did it on what? Bisping did it like on a week and a half, right, or something like that. Notice something like yeah, that. Yeah, give or take, maybe about two weeks. I think he was just coming off of a movie set. I think The Marine Three. Nah, he was on. He was in Triple X. Oh. Okay. I watched it. I watched it on a plane. He was not the worst actor in it at all. Wait, which was it? The Triple X with Ice Cube. It's the one where Vin Diesel comes back. It's the third one. Oh, either way, that wasn't a good one. Um, the first no, one not... wasn't a good one. Eh, I mean, it was still the best one of the three, though. Okay, you know? all right, fine. All right. Um, I guess not so much in that it was so unbe- unbelievable, but I think he'll get ragged on, um, like Rockhold was if he loses. So yo, well, Rockhold, Rockhold went, and Rockhold talked a lot of shit. Oh, about Rockhold, this thing. Rockhold talked a lot of shit. His chin was up. He was, woo. Rockhold was so. In fairness, Rockhold beat Bisping like was it eight months earlier or whatever, a year earlier too. Um, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, huge underdog. We'll talk about that uh, a minute here. Um, 
and um, I was listening to the DC and Helwani show um, where Cormier was like, man, I hate to give credit to Malky and uh, that management team, but they got everything they wanted here, it sounds like. Um, so yeah, uh, Jorge got paid. Good for him. Um, I mentioned, we're going to a little bit of, talk a little bit of news here, and I mentioned it already. Pedro Munoz, um, supposed to take on Frankie Edgar. It was, quite frankly, an awesome fight on paper. Um, it was supposed to take place, I think it's next Wednesday or Thursday. I don't know, um, what, how the timing works out on that one. But it's the card in the middle of the week, uh, headlined by Dan Ige and Calvin Qatar. Uh, Munoz was probably fighting the, um, I was going to say the most well-known person he's ever fought in Frankie Edgar, but unfortunately Pedro's, uh, tested positive for coronavirus. Um, and it sounds like there's, but the, I guess the good thing about all these string, all the stringent testing that's required for all these corner people that are going to fight Island is that they are already there and they've been tested. So it sounds like Ricky Simon is in Abu Dhabi and is willing to fight Frankie. And I think they said um, there was another name too. I think Chito Vera's there. That's the other one. Um, and of course, the other news this week, uh, sad news. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov's uh, head coach and more importantly, his father. Um, I had his name in front of me. And uh, so Mike, see if you can grab his name while we're talking here. Isn't it um, Abdulamop? Uh, yeah, it sounds something like that. Yeah, Abdulamop Nurmagomedov, um, who was... How really suffering a lot of bad health consequences as a result of contracting coronavirus uh, has unfortunately passed away. Um, 57 years old, which is crazy young to pass. That is so young. So, um, and Khabib's dad is kind of every, if you ever listen to his interviews, is a really important person. I mean, obviously it's his father. It's important to him, but like his dad is kind of like his North Star. You know, he always got the impression. Like, I don't want to let my father down. My father taught me this. You know, you do this, you do that. He's really his head coach. Has always been his father. So, um, really sad news for the champ at 155. And uh, condolences to him. That's that's a rough one. Um, Mark, you saw that uh, John Jones saved someone's life? Just might as well say it. Did it happen? Uh, I mean, from what I read... It- Apparently, on the 4th of July, there was uh, some man was laying down in the middle of the field. And I guess John's and I don't I didn't get the full story because he was obviously with like a bunch of kids or something. And all I mentioned to you is on the screenshots that they posted. There's like he he's this man's laying down and there's a picture of him like kneeling down next to him, like helping him or something, which is I mean, which is great. So basically, this guy was um, suffering severe dehydration and Jones and the kids he was with, you know, got him some water Got him to take a bite of a hot dog, which is a weird factoid. I didn't really need to know, but now I know it. Um, and, and 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 the guy was fine, you know. Um, I think ultimately, it's just it's nice to see that you know after the x amount of fuck ups and getting punished, that like maybe this time it's seeming to click. Like he's like maybe I can do more than just think about myself and whatever. But really, I think at the end of the day. I really want to know what all those bag lunches were about. I don't. Dude, I don't have answers for that. There's more questions. Dude, John and- Jones is just Hancock now, man. He's a foul mouth, alcoholic, possibly <laughs> superhero. Um, some more news, and I just saw this, and I threw it in the It's an Amazing group chat. So, guys, please grab your phone and check out WhatsApp. Um, there is a leaked image, allegedly, from the uh, uh, on the Microsoft Store for the UFC Four beta. 
And Bobby, you know I don't have my phone on me. You tell me the one thing I'm actually interested in. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, well, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll find another way to say No, no, it it's fine. But please tell me because I'm actually um, an interested party. This the, is new to me. Because so they're going to show it on the pay-per-view. So it looks like the cover athletes appear to be Izzy Adesanya and Jorge Masvidal. Izzy Looking, was announced like wait a week a second. ago. Yeah, wait a Izzy second. Yo. A week ago, if this, this is really this, this is the cover art for I don't know if this is the cover art, game? Nah, but man, it looks like the cover art for like a Reebok ad. It looks like the cover art if they're gonna put out a rap album in 1992. It's like an Eric B and Rakim <laughs> album cover. <laughs> um, if you uh haven't checked this out yet, it's on uh the Reddit MMA. Um, Masvidal's dressed great, uh, <laughs> Madasanya's dressed great, just standing there in the sunshine um i'm pretty sure they took these photos during the super bowl because i'm pretty sure that's the jacket masvidal was wearing in uh the video that went viral of uh masvidal talking shit to, to usman back during a uh, super bowl week maybe mark i sent it to you on uh the if these are photos there. this is not the cover though but no, no. yeah uh izzy was i i don't remember what it was i he i heard like a week ago he was announced to definitely be on the cover That'd be cool. I like Izzy. I mean, this is if it's Masvidal too. Oof, good thing they got it. They got to make the man happy. Um, maybe they're the characters you get in the. Uh, well, like, some of the that, that shouldn't be true because I'd be like, don't get Izzy the champion them. in your UFC game. It's DLC would be fucked. No, up. no, not DLC. I mean in the beta, like you like in the demo, almost. Like ah, I got you. Yeah, I mean they. Um, well, they even need more than these two, so you need yeah. someone. I mean, I did. Fight. You know, I talked about it when they announced it because I was super pissed off. Is like maybe the only person on this dumb planet that gives a shit about this game. Like, it basically they did not announce it. It got leaked on a poster. <laughs> it was like, oh, UFC four is a thing that you didn't necessarily know was a thing, and we're gonna show it in a couple weeks. And I was like, oh, cool. That was the least exciting way. EA literally had a big press conference where they showed a bunch of their shit. They could have put a little UFC in there to appease me, but you know, on Saturday we'll see what it is. It looks like there's some beta that's going on. That's interesting for me. I personally hope that this is a big departure from three because the games have severely been lacking to the point where I'm like, go back to Fight Night. I I'd rather have a Fight Night game at this point than UFC. I think Undisputed Three is my favorite one they've made still. Got that, that was... Pride roster. Let's do yeah. that again, please. Whenever your creative fighter needed to take it easy. You pick the opponents in the Pride roster because they were noticeably weaker. They're like, do you want to fight John Jones? Nah, man, I want to fight Gilbert Ivel. Let's send me back to the Grand Prix. <laughs> have a chance here. Um, is betas the other something you sign up for? There's no demos anymore, huh? It's all betas? I, a... uh, beta is almost like the same thing. I mean, beta is technically supposed to be like the developers put it out to a limited amount of people so they can like stress test the servers and stuff. That's really beta is usually for like online games. Um, today it's just a glorified demo. They don't. I mean, they still do demos, and there's beta. And usually, the difference is the demo. You can download it, and you can play that thing ad nauseum. The beta will be open for a couple, like a weekend or something. So, very basically, yeah, Bobby, it is just a demo that has like a time limit on it, essentially. I remember uh, with the other demos, I'd play them so often. By the time the game came out, I could no longer play with the characters from the demo. Like I remember, like there was one with Shogun and Machida. I played that so much. It was like Shogun Machida. I think Quentin, and then maybe, was it Rashad? or No, Vanderlei. I think those were the four for one of them. And I remember, like, I knocked Vanderlei out so many times with Rampage. So many times. That's <laughs> all I did for, like, a month. Um, all right. There's three title fights. This is a good card. Let's talk about UFC 251. Coming to you from Fight Island, which I don't know if they're, they're fighting inside or outside. 
because Mike and I were like talking about it last night and we were like Googling and it seems like they built something that's got air conditioning, but all these images are so. an octagon on the beach. I've seen that too. So I don't know what we're doing here because while octagon on the beach looks cool, it is so hot. Yo, <laughs> let me tell you something. These dudes m- literally make islands out in the Middle East. All right. And One second, guys. It, Mike's gonna explain the Middle East to me. Go ahead. And and they make it look like palm trees and shit. Like they literally make a palm tree island. Mm-hmm. You gonna tell me they can't have AC? The AC was broken when they went last September. Uh, I, I mean, call bullshit on that. AC wasn't broken. That was a conspiracy. All right. Let me say again. They literally make islands that look like palm trees. How are you gonna have a broken AC? I think my, my biggest question is if it's outside, the AC becomes null and void when the cool air just gets evaporated because <laughs> the wind goes the wrong way. I would I would also, I mean, Bobby, I, I, I think everyone's on the same page. If they had the octagon on the beach, that would look awesome. When that sun's beating down on you, as the you to burn your feet. The show, these guys are going to ferrari. I mean, and I'm talking about like my Caucasian brothers and sisters on this card. They are going to burn up when it's 110 degrees. Dude, I don't care what skin color you are. Your feet are going to burn on that <laughs> mat. <laughs> Yo, they got they got seagulls in Abu Dhabi. Okay, man. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, actually, we have the X factors. We get some animal life in here. I, I'm just I, saying, like, you build an octagon on the beach, you know, you got some pelicans that they just, like, land right on the top of the octagon. It adds a real, like, tropical feel to this shit. I, I think Bodog did kind of, like, and, and look, there, there have been events in, like, open areas. Um, so I don't think it's unheard of. I think it would. I mean, because here's the thing, right? This is the, the big catch. Like, if you do. And fight. I mean, they've been promoting this fucking fight island forever. They're selling T-shirts for God's sake. If you don't have it on the beach, if it's just inside of a building, what the fuck is the point? Like, who well, cares? Not, I don't well, give I, a fuck where any of the fights are. Oh, it's in Colorado or it's in you know New Mexico. You're just in a building. Like you know, I and look. You're gonna, you're gonna have some good good B-roll in between the fights. You know, that's all great and good. But at the end of the day, it's just like it's just in a building, and that's. But if they do it outside. Then I think you validate your stupid T-shirt sales, but someone might. You don't have to validate. They're just selling merch, man. That's all it is. Bobby, can okay. I can I just solve this debate? Uh, it's gonna be indoors. We spent ten minutes on this, and that's how our podcast runs long. Hey, did you see the pictures of the octagon on the beach? Yeah, they're also calling it Fight Island to pretend that they still built an island. They didn't, Bobby. There's, oh, by the way, there's, there's, a of, there's a lot of altered media in the world. There's an actual okay. I mean, I, the one thing I suggest is possible is that they put the cage there, like it's like when you go to the MGM and there's a fight card. Photo up. Are we really debating if it's going to actually be on the beach? It's not going to be. This it's, is really. These are really important questions, Stefan. These are really important questions. Yeah. You get to the bottom of these. Okay? Seriously. Okay. Um, main event: Jorge Masvidal, um, Kamara Usman, uh, the reigning defending champion of the welterweight division. Um, Kamara Usman coming off of breaking or not breaking or we don't know. He 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 just ruined Colby Covington's shit entirely. Um, in an awesome fight, quite frankly. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, last time we saw him, he took the BMF title off of Nate Diaz. And if you wonder why wording is like that, it's because even Jorge Masvidal says, Nate gave me an opportunity at his title. So that's, that's, uh, that's the world we're living in. Um, betting odds, Steph. Usman is a 320 favorite to uh, Masvidal's 260 underdog. 3-1. to one. 
Um, Usman has not lost a cage fight in quite some time. Since May of 2013, in his second professional fight, Jorge last lost um, against Stephen Thompson back at UFC 217 uh, about a little less than three years ago. Um, I'm going to take Jorge Masvidal. And I'm just going to put it like, I mean, look, he's the underdog for a reason. He'd be, it'd be a shocking upset. Or not shocking. Um, it'd be surprising for him to pull this off on six days notice. I'm kind of swept up. I mean, I'm not sure how swept I am if I'm, I'm admitting it, but the moment would be cool. I'm kind of picking here what I want. Um, I honestly believe that even with a full training camp, Usman's at least a two to one favorite against Jorge. Uh, Usman's a nightmare. Like, what's his nickname? Isn't what's his nickname? Nigerian nightmare? Isn't that a That's thing? Right. The dude is the guy is a is a monster, like he's a, he's an excellent fighter, and he's in his prime right now at thirty three years old. Masvidal's got like sixty fights. Um, I'll say this though, I think Masvidal has a better chance of pulling this off than when we talk about the co main event and Max Holloway, because there's I know I see the different ways he can win this fight, and if he can keep it standing. And if it, you know, he can keep it, you know, if he can put him away in the first two or three rounds, because six days notice, it's a lot to ask to go five rounds. Um, I think Masvidal's got a good chance of pulling it off. And some of it is just, you know, man's on a hot streak. Everything's coming up, Masvidal. It'll be more fun, quite frankly. So, yeah, may not be the smartest move, but I got Masvidal. Steph? Uh, interesting you go to me next, because uh, I'm picking Masvidal. Oh, I knew where I was going. I knew what you were picking. Um... <laughs> Well, as a former picks champion, defeating Mike's last great effort at that chance, uh, I get to do what I want, and that's, I like picking storylines. I like to pick the best storyline. That's my way my heart goes on these. Um, and yeah, I like to see this idea of Jorge winning, and then him being all like, Izzy, get the F out of here. It's my cover now. You're not sharing it with me anymore. Like, I could see Masvidal doing something like that, right? Um, he's got a puncher's chance. It's a great matchup uh, uh, for Usman, though, right? It's a very clear reason it's 3-1. to one. Um, Usman, no one wants to treat him like a champion, but I've said this about Izzy. When you see a man, he's a man who carries himself, who looks like, who talks like, who sounds like, who acts like a champion. Like, when he wins this fight and you see all his family dressed to the nines, standing in a line in that cage, or whatever, or they won't be invited, right? I was going to say, yeah, I really damn. hope they're not all there. Yeah, well... What if they're there, but they're all six feet of space between each of them? How amazing would that be? They're look? just going to put right. a screen up behind them, a big TV screen. It's going to be Usman's screen. call them all in. <laughs> yeah. I, but I mean, but point stands, everything about him, he's a real champion. Um, he's at this spot deservedly so. It happened. It just happened earlier than we thought would happen for him, right? I think a lot of us felt that he'd get there. We just maybe thought it happened a couple fights sooner than we uh, predicted, but... Um, Masvidal's got a chance. He's always got a chance. I believe what Mark said earlier. He's probably, I 100% expect he's stayed ready this whole time, um, that he stayed in fight champ. He knew who was above him. He knew how close he was. I'm sure he's been, you know, he's been preparing to fight a guy like Usman, right? He, he's been working on that takedown defense. Um, and Usman, the one thing against him is he's willing to, he likes to test his stand-up on guys. Even though he's got wrestling in the hole, he, he wanted to stand with Woodley. Um, he definitely wanted to stand with Covington. He likes to. Pr- he's all. He's he's like John Jones in that he wants to prove a point when he's in the cage at times. Um, but that gives Jorge the opening. Um, I expect Usman to be the one standing. The line is what it is. 
But for my pick's sake, storyline. Nope, you're muted, Bob. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to you now, Marcus. Um, some Steph brought it up. Uh, give me your pick. But also, you know, Usman does not like this man. So the dangers of fighting emotionally against a guy he doesn't like versus he was going to fight a teammate 48 hours ago is what it sounded like. So there's that transition too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I am going with Usman. I, I think there's, and obviously you guys stated it before, you know, there's a reason why the line is where it is. Um, I don't think there's any debate, at least on this podcast, where I think we all want Masvidal to win. I, I absolutely agree. The storyline would be fantastic. Um, as, you know, we've all watched this guy fight and, you know, not get noticed for so long. You know, his rising star has been a fantastic story for it to potentially cap off or to reach the the heights of, of gaining the belt, which honestly, I mean, look at, I, I guess Usman's been saying it. I don't want to be a detractor, but you know, when you look at Masvidal in his career, journeyman is not the right word, but he's definitely been a guy that has, you know, not come up on top when the fights really meant the most. Like when he fought Ben Henderson, um, a lot of times in the lightweight division where he was close to really getting in the picture, um, you know, he'd drop a fight or two. Uh, and I think, Obviously, something has changed in him personally. He fights differently than he used to, and I think that has made him not only more captivating to the masses, but it's also done wonders to his career and him winning fights and becoming more popular and becoming the superstar that he always knew that he was going to be. Um, that all being said, Usman presents a lot of challenges that could quickly you know, give him in positions where he's not known to be particularly strong at. You know, And I think, obviously, the wrestling's a big game. Um, I think you guys brought up a, ga- a great point with Usman does like to stand. You know, he's not a guy who's going to pull a Ben Askren. He's just going to shoot immediately. Like, he'll trade with you because, one, he he's competent there. He, you know, we saw in the Covington fight where Covington gives, I mean, we don't want to give him credit because his stand-up is just, like, overwhelm you with just, like, not the greatest, most technical power strikes, but he just overwhelms guys. And Usman was not overwhelmed. And Jorge Masvidal style is kind of like that. I mean, it's a lot more varied. It's a lot more dangerous. But he's a guy that's going to, when he's fighting well, he throws a lot at you. And he throws a lot of different things at you. Um, with a wrestler, some of those options become a lot more, uh, you know, dangerous. You know, he he actually has a really good liver kick. That bec- You know, when you're fighting Nate Diaz, when the dude doesn't have a great double and doesn't have a great wrestling pedigree, you can throw those shots with very little... Um, negativity potentially coming back at you where you get a takedown. With Usman, he has to be a lot more careful about setting himself up for those types of openings. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I think Usman just has a style that matches up a little bit better with Masvidal, but I do like the point that Stefan made. You know, at this point, Masvidal is, what, ranked three? The guys above him are all fucking grapplers. Like, he has to know, like, where his skills need to get sharpened the most, and I think he's been doing it his whole career. Well, he's also, he's never been, like, inept in that area either. Like, I'm looking at Masvidal's record, and, like, he has not lost... He's ever, All of his losses, except for one, are split decision losses in the last six years. And the other one was also a decision loss to Wonderboy Thompson. Um, I don't even remember that, what happened in that fight, if I'm being honest. Um, a lot of his split decisions, I remember thinking, like, man, you could have given him that Benson one. You could have given him the Maya one. you The fucking Larkin one, I thought he, he won. I remember that specifically. Um... So, yeah, this is a tall order, though. Mike, I mean, is Logic winning here? Do you ever want to be a champion in this thing? Or are we going to join the the funny, the, the, the fun train with me and Stefan? <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice. You picked uh, you picked Masvidal as well, Bob? Yeah, I did. First. Oh, wow. I just, kind of, I just kind of assumed that uh, you picked uh, 
You picked Usman. All right. So so two people are smoking. Only right Stefan now. would make such a ridiculous pick. I'm just saying, I'm like, I made the first one and Mike wasn't even listening. <laughs> um no, I'm I'm picking Usman uh for a lot of the reasons that you guys uh you know already stated. Um I think with the last two fights that Usman had where he was really testing a stand-up, I mean, these are against two guys that had really solid wrestling bases, so maybe he felt that um, it would be better just to stand up with them. This isn't the case with, with Masvidal, so I think he's going to be a lot more inclined to take it to the area where he knows he's going to have a distinct advantage. And, I mean, not to beat a, a dead horse, yeah, Masvidal was probably not slacking off all of this time, but he hasn't been in a fight camp. Um, six six days is, is a very short amount of time to take a fight. Six days is a very short amount of time to take a fight and have to fly to Vegas and then has to fly halfway across the world as well, where you're going to have no prep time. He's basically just using these six days to lose 20 pounds. Um, my man had to pay no coaches. He saved so much money on all these things, and he has nothing to lose. Um, worth mentioning uh, real quickly, Mark, hard to look good beating Jorge Masvidal. I don't know. I mean, since I don't, I mean, Toby Amata sticks out, but like, it's hard to look good beating him. It's very hard to look good beating him. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I, I do think Usman has the better shot here. I don't, I think whoever wins, it's, it's going to be kind of an ugly fight. You know, if, if Masvidal is going to beat Usman is because he's going to be able to keep him standing and it's going to be an ugly fight for Usman. How I honestly feel like it's going to go, I think Usman's going to test the waters. He'll do a little stand-up. When he starts feeling like, okay, Jorge's getting the better of this. His jab's landing. He, he's landing good shots on me. I think he potentially has the ability to get the fight to the ground. And that's where I think it's going to be somewhat compelling to see what Masvidal can do there. Because if you just get stalled out and Usman's able to win rounds, I think one, it won't be a super entertaining fight and it'll be frustrating for all of us that really want. It's always frustrating when you have a fighter that you want to win, it just gets grounded. And I don't know if that's Usman's game. You know, honestly, he might be a lot more active on the ground, but what I fear is he gets him on the ground, just stays on top of him for three rounds, survives two where he's getting picked apart and, and gets, gets an ugly decision. And it's kind of unsatisfying to us. Ugh, the worst case scenario, you see Usman win the first three rounds doing boring wrestling, just winning the rounds, and then Jorge comes back in the fourth and fifth, puts on a beating, but not enough to get the judges to turn. That would ultimately be... That, that's where, that's where uh, Usman both wins and loses the fight. That's <laughs> yeah, what it's going to be. But, yeah, man, know, honestly, there's a lot. He, he Honestly, there's a lot of pressure on him. And Masvidal's... A lot of And it, it, this is a compelling fight, and I, and I don't even necessarily agree with the line being so wide as it is because i i do think masvidal has a shot here and i think a lot of it is he's not going to be overthinking a lot of stuff he's just going to go in there and, and do what he does which is fight and you know i think other fighters this short fight camp could be a real issue i don't think it's going to affect jorge's well, we're going to find out on saturday well we also know this i mean despite stuff i'm not wanting to talk about this i've seen one of these guys fight outside before and it was not usman jorge did pretty well fighting outside before just saying uh, but yeah, opportunity for him to be a legend here because some of the biggest moments in this sport ever. You guys mentioned Bisping knocking out Rockhold on no notice, basically. Nate Diaz coming off of a boat in Mexico drinking tequila to, not, to choke out Conor McGregor. You know, some big moments have come off of short notice fights. So remember Chris Lieben one time won two fights in like 13 days. Both by, he knocked out Vanderlei and then he beat somebody else. It was sick. 
Um, all right. Um, co-main event. Max Holloway. I think it's the co-main event. Max Holloway and uh, Alexander Volkanovsky running it back from their first uh, fight, which I think was the end of last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, December of 2019 with unanimous decision win for Alexander Volkanovsky. 48-47, uh, Betting odds for this one, Steph, a little closer. A little bit closer. We got Volkanovsky, the defending champion, at minus 235 to plus 195 for Max Holloway. So about two to one, both directions. Um, Make mine short and sweet. First of all, I don't believe that Max Holloway hasn't been training. Like by, I think one of the Max has been on Zoom showing sh- shadow boxing. I don't entirely buy that. That being said, I... It took him three, four rounds to figure out what Alex was doing last time. Couldn't really get a hold of him. I don't know if, I don't know what kind of um, introspection has taken place on the Holloway camp as to what led to the fight that time. Um, Word if he just thinks that he had an off night. Um, Because I think this loss required a lot of tape study. And uh, Max is a really cerebral fighter, quite frankly. Um, and when he fought Jose Aldo the second time, he spent the entire fight going the opposite direction as he did in the first fight, just to throw him off. So I'm not that Max isn't capable of it. I just, I thought that, I just don't think he's, he, he, he figured him out. That's it. I got, I got Alex retaining another decision too. Mike. Mike. Sorry about that. I am muted. I am going to go in the opposite direction for many of the same reasons that you just mentioned, except I'm adding in a little wrinkle. Um, Max has been home all of this time, hasn't been able to spar, hasn't really had probably as much contact with his coaches as he's probably wanted, but more importantly, has had a lot of time to just stew on his own about that fight. And when you're quarantined, all you basically have is either zoom classes you know with your coaches and reviewing old film so i think he probably has viewed the tape ad nauseum and has made the adjustments or formulated a game plan to win this time so i'm gonna go in the opposite direction i'm going with max getting the title back mark what do you think uh i'm also going with alexander not max um I actually just recently rewatched the fight UFC posted on YouTube. And I mean, really how Alexander won that fight is like he was Danny DeVito in the always sunny uh, uh, meme. He just started blasting. The dude was pulling the trigger all night and and that's what won the fight. He was striking going forward. Anytime Max came at him, he was counter striking. The dude was so active in those first, you know, three and a half rounds um, and ultimately, the couple things that that really, you know, what Max, what he needs to take away is that Alexander loves throwing that inside low kick. He threw it all the time. It obviously jeopardized Max because he fought rounds two through four southpaw. I, I think even in the fifth, I think listening to the the, uh, the commentary again, DC was like, he has to fight orthodox because he's, Max does a good job of transitioning in between the, the different stances, but he's not a southpaw fighter. And you saw it in that fight. He did not have a lot of answers. He did not know how to get off first. He did not know how to placate that southpaw against a orthodox fighter in his advantage. He wasn't using the left straight. He wasn't getting his foot on the outside to land that left straight. Um, so there definitely is some things that he's going to need to look for and have answers for. 
he has to answer the inside low kick. Whether he's checking it, whether he's countering off it, he can't just eat them ad nauseum as he did in the, in the first fight, or he will lose again. And I think he just needs to be a lot more active. My big takeaway in that fight was just Alexander's fucking pulling the trigger. There was so few exchanges where Max would throw strikes where Alexander didn't throw back and didn't throw more. He was anytime Max came with a one-two, he throws a left hook, right hook, uh, inside low kick, and that was the story all night until the, the later rounds where I think you know, Alexander did get a little tired. Um, and, and also, too, might have been coasting. I, I think at that point he's like, I kind of have this fight. I've been destroying this guy. Um, but what I, what I will say is, you know, Alexander didn't have a lot of like big power. I don't think he hurt Max a ton in that fight, like where he wobbled him. Um, but neither did Max. So I'm definitely going with Alexander. I think if he just implements the same game plan, he'll have a lot of success. I think he does a good job, like, like Luke mentioned, like you mentioned, Bobby. Um, his entry points, the strikes he uses when he does get in the pocket, they're different. He, he's not a very easy-to-read fighter because he doesn't throw the same combination over and over again. He mixes it up, which makes it tough for a fighter to, to figure out, like, okay, when this guy gets in the pocket, he's going to throw the right hook. But sometimes he throws a left hook, and he follows it up with the right, and he throws it up with a kick. So there's a lot for Max to digest. And I think a lot of the conversation about what Max has been doing training-wise just doesn't lead to a lot of confidence, right? Like when, I mean, whether it's falsehoods or whether he's trying to make Alexander think that he's not taking it seriously, um, you know, as a person, you know, picking the fight, it doesn't bode well when you're saying like, oh, I haven't been doing any sparring. I haven't been doing actually any classes or training. Um, those are just red flags. It was like, well, you know, you really need. Well, you, you know what uh, New Zealand has that America doesn't have? No Corona? I don't know. No Corona. Oh, really? They got none? <laughs> they got none. Oh, fuck. They got none. They got none now. Guess we're moving, baby. New Zealand. <laughs> competent leadership gets you far. Um, and being on a small island, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Was Hawaii? Nope, no people have to, they had to fly to Corona there. What do you want? Bobby Touche. Shout out to Eugene Behrman and the City of Kickboxing team, though, in New Zealand. Man deserves a lot, deserves a lot of credit. He's got two UFC champions. Absolutely. So, uh, Mike. I already picked you. What am I saying? Stefan, sorry. Yeah, um, Mark dabbled in it, but I was going to say, uh, well, you got Mark's technical breakdown of why he's picking, um, and you will just go with my uh, feelings reason why I'm picking. Uh, haircut? Well, not the haircut. It's uh, And it's not the accusation that he's not sparring. It's, Mike, you are right. He, he has watched the video, and the reason I'm picking against Max and I'm picking Alexander is because Max thinks he thought he won that first fight. He watched the film. He sit there. He stewed. And he still thinks he won that fight. And all I can say is you unequivocally lost. If that is your takeaway and you aren't training with camp, like Mark said, it's a lot of red flags with Max right now. He's a tremendous fighter, and he's a very easy-to-root-for guy. If he gets it back, I'll be very happy for him. But he sounds like a lot of fighters that I've heard in the past who were not able to honestly assess their own performance. Therefore, they did not get better. So... For those reasons, I remember, Alex. I remember uh, Burrow when he lost to TJ. He said something afterward, like when they were going to do rematch. Burrow's like, "Yeah, you know, just wasn't my night. You know, I know what I needed to do." And blah, blah, blah. and then TJ whooped his ass worse. He hit him like a fifty hit combo. So, um, all right, third title fight for the vacant one hundred and thirty five pound title. Jose Aldo, man coming off a loss. He looked good. It was a very good fight. He did not win. Um, taking on Peter Yan, who hasn't lost a fight since whew, 2016. 
Man's on a looks like a nine fight, ten fight win streak. Uh, betting odds for this one. Um, oddly enough, of the three title fights, this is the closest line, and that is Peter Yan at minus two twenty to Jose Aldo's plus one eighty. <laughs> Um, yeah, of these three title fights, I don't know about y'all. This would not be the closest one, in my opinion, of the three. Would it be the Alex and Max fight? It'd be either of the other two. The, it's just this one is the most clear cut to me. Honestly, uh, honestly, I think it's because Jose, he didn't win the fight, right? But um, he looked really good against Marlon. And I know, like, we also don't know which Peter Yawn is. And I think that some of it is that uh, Peter Yawn is very much a striker. Not that Jose Aldo is, you know, fucking, you know, Brock Lesnar on the mats uh, with his grab with his takedowns, but Peter Yan's a boxer, um, more so than anything else. So maybe that's part of it. Um, but fuck Stefan, make your pick. You know, we know what you know. I mean, you yeah, I don't, I don't say all of that because I think it's obvious the underdog's going to win here. Um, I just, I just don't give Aldo that much credit. He won. He didn't. I don't think I don't. He didn't look good to me, but he didn't look bad. Marlon Moraes, I like him. He's a bit of a one round wonder, and he's proved that in a lot of fights. Um, he completely stops as of the middle of the second round. So he's he did better than I expected for how bad he physically looks at this weight class. Um, and I don't expect him to look good at this weight class this time around either. Uh, Jan is just he seems far more sturdy to me. Um, yeah, he's I think he's the most decisive of the three champions. Jose Aldo got my guy Aljo's title shot. Uh, Mark. Yeah. Um, I, I'm also going with Peter, but I'd be a fool not to point at, you know, how often I've count out Jose Aldo. Dude, we are so bad at picking Jose Aldo. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and look, he's definitely lost some fights. So, like we've definitely been on the right end on a couple times, but it's not even just so much like I picked against him a lot. It's that I've discounted his ability and credit ever since the Connor fight. Honestly, the Connor fight. UFC 200. Didn't we all pick Frankie Edgar? We all picked Jose Aldo to lose a fight where he fought the guy the first time and won pretty easily. Yes. Mark, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, and and this is, and this is kind of placating into that once again, where I'm kind of thinking like, and and a lot of it has to do with what you guys said. I, I disagree with the, um, I thought Aldo looked fucking fantastic at bantamweight like mm. mind-blowing because i honestly i didn't think he'd beat the scale if he did i thought it'd be a tj henry cejudo it was like you beating the scale was the fight you won that part but you can't win the fight because there's nothing left i was blown away by how he performed even in a losing fight which i think was a very close fight i don't think jose aldo won that fight i don't think this he necessarily deserved the media was split 50 50 yeah and i don't think he necessarily deserves this fight because he lost that but i'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and say like i didn't think that guy was going to beat the scale and if when i remember like i don't think he had a lot of trouble making the weight right i don't remember if he had to go to towel or anything no he i think he just i think he just went up there and made weight we're all like he kind of looks like skeletor which is weird because like we we've seen this dude like at 145 it looks like he can't he can barely make it like and then that's why like when he went to 135 i was like how what you can't make four you struggle to make 45 how the fuck are you gonna do this and he did it and he looked great in the fight in, in a losing effort um and I think you bring up a good point. Uh, Peter Yant is mostly a striker, so this is going to be a striking match. And Jose Aldo tends to do all right in those. You know, I mean, definitely he's gotten his comeuppance a, a handful of times, but a lot of times he looks good. Um, I still got a Peter Yant in this, but I have to point the light that like I'm not hypocritical to having constantly underplayed this guy 
And even in losing effort, still being proved wrong because I, I'm pretty sure I picked Marlon to, to beat Jose Aldo, but I was shocked at just how well he looked at bantamweight. So I think he's going to look great. I think it's going to be a competitive fight. I also ultimately do think he's going to lose, though. Man, Mark, Mark, like 80% convinced me to pick Jose Aldo there. Mike, what do you got? <laughs> Bobby, he, he didn't even convince himself, though. How are you going to do it? <laughs> I know. Well, I was probably closer than he was. Mike, what do you got? Um, I have a feeling this is probably going to be a clean sweep when we get to Bobby, but I'm going to go with Peter on as well. Um, with Jose Aldo, at least, and we've been wrong a lot, but I have felt that we've all been picking the fight where the you know the ground gives out and he just falls off the cliff um, because we always feel like, all right, well, there's no more tread on that tire at this point. And I I feel like him going down to 135, that's just getting rid of even more tread. Like, I don't know how he's doing it. I still think that he's probably taking advantage of the fact that all they're testing for is Corona right now, if you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> they're testing them. They have USADA there too, man. Nope, nope, nope. You only get to test one thing. It's steroid or Corona. So you pick your, <laughs> you pick your poison. I think they got their priorities in order right now, Bobby. It's just Corona. They're not focusing on anything else. It's reckless speculation on my part. But back to being serious. Uh, yeah, just because Jose looked good in a losing effort doesn't mean he deserved the title shot. And Peter Yan has been on the ascendancy over the last few years. So I'm going to go with the young guy. And just out of curiosity, is everybody here definitely picking you Peter Yan over Marlon Moraes? Because I don't. Honestly. Eh, probably. I, I don't know. I don't know if I do. I know Marlon runs out of gas, but Marlon, the first nine minutes of that fight, Marlon will fuck up your world. I don't know why you're picking Marlon because um, in defense of the guy who I used to think was overblown, uh, we all know the champion is actually the other guy, Aljamain. Look at the rankings. He's above yeah. everyone. Oh, yeah. Mike, you're picking Peter Yawn? Yes. Okay. I'm picking Peter Yawn, too, but let me just say these couple things. Well, it's just one thing. I want Jose Aldo to win. Um... Stefan talks about the storyline thing. Let me tell you what the UFC's achieved in the last three years, four years. I don't care if the best fighter becomes the champion. At this point, I'm here just for my own entertainment. Um, and I think a matchup, I think a story of Jose Aldo winning a second title is really cool. Um, especially give my, my, we talked about how hard it was for him to make 145. He missed a belt at 135? Holy shit. Um, I also think that if Jose Aldo comes back, there's a possibility Henry Cejudo actually does fight because he thinks he can actually get paid fighting somebody people know. There's that. Uh, thirdly, I am more interested in Aljamain Sterling versus uh, Jose Aldo fight than I am in an Aljamain Sterling-Peter Yawn fight. While I'm very interested in both of those fights, the prospect of somebody trying to choke Jose Aldo has never crossed my mind. And Aljo trying to do that look real cool. Um, I think this is going to be a really good fight, by the way. Like, in terms of these three fights, this is going to be the best one, I think. Just my opinion. Um, but yeah, Peter Young, clean sweep. Does anybody disagree with me on that? You think the other two are going to be better? <laughs> they have potential. I if think Mosvidal wins. wins, that was a better fight. Oh, the ending will be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, what if Mosvidal is, by the way, today's the one year anniversary of the flying Nita Askrid. What if Mosvidal hits him with that shit? <laughs> That'd be cray. I'd oh, love that awesome. would be amazing. Dude, that's the type of shit where they got uh, fuck all these like basket whose statues we need to build. Jose out uh, 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 Jorge Masvidal everywhere. That's what that means. Um 
Yeah, I can't pick Peter Young. I can't pick Jose Aldo to win, though. I'm already picking Jorge Masvidal, and I'm about to pick a girl who got powerbombed in her first in the first time they fought. Um, Rose Namajunas, Jessica Andrade, betting odds. Uh, this is minus 210 for Rose. The, uh, another one where the loser is now the favorite in the rematch, but plus 175 to Jessica. I mean, if anybody just saw the result of the first time these uh, two young ladies fought, or two young women fought, um, they're like, why, why, why is Rose the favorite? Um, plus 200, um, as the, uh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. What were the betting odds again? It's, it's two to one. Think of it like two to one, two to one. All right. Um, Jessica Andrade took, uh, Rose's title off of her at UFC 237 in May of 2019 in the second round, um, 258 in the second round. Um, for the first two ra- round and a half of that fight, Rose was winning. Rose was beating up Andrade handily. It was very. Well, I mean, it wasn't about to be finished, but she was clearly in the driver's seat. Um, uh, then Rose got power bombed, and that was that. Um, yeah, I got Rose. I, I mean, the, the, my hesitation here is that Rose is going through a lot, man. Didn't she? They say she lost like two family members during this horrible pandemic to the disease like rose is having a rough rough 2020 and i you know i, I mean with none of these people we know what their code what their training conditions are to be honest but she just looked so good the first time they fought until the end so i, I gotta go with rose um mike yeah um that's gonna be my reason as well like you said the uh, the box score will say that she lost by powerbomb but it doesn't tell the whole story doesn't tell that she was dominating that performance and outside of just she got grabbed and that was all she wrote so the risk of sounding extremely simplistic she won't let herself get grabbed this time mark yeah i'm i'm gonna go with rose too um it, it, it is just that right it is that fight was being so dominated by rose and you know hats off to jessica being able to, to pull off you know coming from behind like she did to, to get the win is no small feat you have to have a lot of self-confidence in yourself you have to lot, have a lot of strength to pull off the maneuver that she did on rose um but that did seem kind of like a flash in the pan it seemed like there was a position where Rose got in a position that she did not need to be in, um, and uh, Jessica was able to execute and finish the fight. It, it's hard to imagine this scenario or a scenario likewise where Jessica's going to be able to pick up Rose and slam her again to you know cause a lot of damage. Um, otherwise, in just a straight up you know kickboxing fight in her MMA fight, Rose was doing really well. So I'm going with Rose. Um, but I, in the same thoughts you talked about, Bobby, like there's always been in the back of my head like where rose is mentally because you know before this it was the conor mcgregor thing you know giving her like ptsd like um symptoms and obviously like you mentioned multiple family members succumbing to the coronavirus which means like they passed in like the last three months or so um sometimes those things are huge motivating factors and and fighters have come out the other side just looking fantastic i remember ian freeman way back in the day his, his dad passed away three days before he had a fight and he beat frank Mir. It was like, what the fuck? Like, that was insane. Um, but, you know, Jake Shields' dad passed right before he fought GSP, I think, and he lost that fight. So you never know how that's going to affect the fighter. Um, and Rose, I think, is a very mentally strong person because we know she's dealt with these things and has looked good inside the octagon. So I am going with Rose, but there's a lot of X factors. Obviously, 
all these events, there's tons of X factors because of training and stuff like that. But even more so knowing what she's gone through, but I'm still going to pull with Rose. Steph, clean sweep? Yeah. Um, everyone said it wasn't just good. I think, honestly, up to the point that up to, to the moment that Rose lost, that was the best she ever looked. That was like, it was on the way to be a career defining performance for her. And Jessica, ultimately, she's a brute, right? She's a very good fighter. She's a very predictable one, too. She she does what she does. And what we saw in the first fight was Rose was just she was she had two different gears of speed more than what Jessica did. And she controlled every aspect. I forget if it was a triangle or an arm bar that she was chasing to when it, that ultimately led to getting her slammed. But like Mark said, what is the like? I mean, it took Rose's contribution for Jessica to do what she did. It's not that Jessica just executed this against her will. You know, she didn't kick Rose in the gut. Rose bends over, right? The whole, you know, Diesel, Kevin Nash, Jackknife powerbomb where there's a whole setup to it. No, it, it obviously came as the result of her defending a sub. And so the likelihood of that Hail Mary situation presenting itself is pretty rare. Um, but you all mentioned the X factors, but from a fighting standpoint, Rose should be a lead. She should be a level higher than what Jessica is. Man, I think, like, if someone ever hit a jackknife, like, with everything, like, with the Kevin Nash lazily just waiting for a moment, too. You, you put the head under the legs, you stare at the it, crowd for a moment, Yeah, you take yeah, it in. Yeah, yeah, you're just like, whew, I'm in no hurry. <laughs> they bought their ticket, they can watch. Um, final fight, we're picking the opening fight of the main card. Paige Van Zant versus, um, I lost her name. Amanda oh, yeah. Rebus. Amanda Rebus. Um, you know what the funny thing Betty about Goss- you know what the funny thing about you losing her name is, Bobby. Uh, Amanda Rebus is a minus nine hundred favorite. Yeah, um, I'm gonna explain <laughs> what has happened. I'm gonna explain what has happened God, here, folks. Uh, Paige Van Zant um, wants to fight out her contract and see what she's worth. Paige Van Zant has one fight left on her contract, and the UFC. What they do intentionally, if you listen to the sworn testimony of Joe Silva, is that in these situations, they do their best to give you a fight where you're not going to look good. Um, he said that all, he said that to a court to the court. Um, really look into the UFC lawsuit, guys. It's a, you really learn a lot of stuff about your favorite sport. Um, Amanda Rebus is a fucking killer. She is nine and one. She is fucking people up. All right. Um, Paige Van Zant. Gets a lot of gets people who are just like, oh, she's not a real fighter, blah, 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 blah. Paige Van Zandt's a good fighter. She's probably not her the attention she gets isn't equal to her skill level necessarily. But she can beat some people. You know, Felice Herring um isn't a bum. She beat her. Kaylin Curran, Alex Chambers, Beck Rollins, Osto- Rachel Ostovich. None of these women are bums, and Paige beat all of them. And more often than not, finish them. That being said, they booked this fight the way they did for a reason, and Paige is going to get mollywopped. This is going to be a rough one for her. I think she's losing clearly. Mark, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. And, and mostly, you know, obviously going to go with Amanda. She, she's the clear favorite for, for reasons. Um, but just, just to, to continue what you said, you know, I think Paige does get a bad rap. I think a lot of people just look at her as like a pretty face and like, oh, that's why you're getting all the attention. And honestly, 
there's some truth to that. I think, like you said, she probably gets more attention because she was out on Dancing with the Stars, because she's become a bigger star than just what she's able to actually do inside the octagon. But I don't downplay how dedicated she is and how fucking tough she is, too. And I think a lot of people don't give her the credit that she deserves because it's easy to write her off as just a pretty face that is getting more than she deserves inside the octagon. But like you said, you know, she gets W's and you have to. Um, I think she doesn't get W's against the cream of the crop. And I do think there is kind of a a cap from what I've seen her be able to produce in the octagon to what she's going to be able to do. And I think you make a great point about the contract. And ultimately at the end of the day, I think Amanda is going to beat her. I think Paige will probably end up leaving the UFC because she can probably go to one FC with skate uh, with a uh, Sage North cut and his fucking sister and Eddie Alvarez, and they can just be the good-looking bunch and sell a bunch of tickets or whatever. Eddie, wait, Eddie Alvarez is not part of the good-looking Oh, he's a good-looking like guy. <laughs> oh, he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> I don't think I'm not saying Eddie Alvarez is ugly, but you pick the other people. Well, like, you know, Bobby, just... don't, don't focus on the face and just look at that body. That's a good body. He's yeah, got bro, Sa- Sage Northcutt's sister looks way too much like Sage Northcutt. I, honestly, I didn't even know she was fighting. I just saw an article today. Yeah, I saw, the, like, I saw the headline, too. On a card with the sister. I was like... I guess it makes sense. I could see that dumb family being like, all right, all the kids are going to karate because mom and dad need, you know, an hour where they don't have to look after these uh, hellions. But uh, I don't I don't know what they were like as kids. I'm just throwing. I was going to say, look how look how nice he is. They're probably true. Like, He's probably extremely polite. They helped with the chores back then. <laughs> I was, uh, by the way, to be abundantly <laughs> clear, I really, I really hope Paige Van Zandt wins. In situations fun. like this, I really hope she does. I like her being in the UFC. And I think, like, her fact that she gets attention for non-fighting reasons, fuck, man, we all like, you know, Nate D- Nick and Nate Diaz getting in fights in, ho- in hospitals and press conferences and, you know, Cowboy Cerrone's popular partly because he dresses like he's in fucking Tombstone and people got gimmicks. And sure, she's popular for non-fighting reasons. And you know what? When she fights somebody, it gets more attention because let me tell you, Amanda Rebus wouldn't be on main card against somebody else, right? And, and to be fair, she- like... There's a lot of people on Instagram that make money off of being good looking. Hey, you know what? It, hey, this life's a hustle, man. You live in America. You got to fucking hustle for your money. And I'm not throwing anything at Paige because she's trying to get that fucking money out there. Look, man, people are like, hey, your face is pretty. You can show my product. If someone came to me, I'd be like, fuck yeah. Dude, whatever shit, shit hit you the- want on my pants or whatever, dude. Dude, shit hit the fan. We hit a global pandemic. And, the va- and what they did to help all of us was that most give you $1,200. And that's during a goddamn pandemic. So get paid, people. Props to Paige. All right, get paid. And and the other thing is, like, you know, you're saying, oh, she's she's trying to get paid doing MMA. Like, you got to give her props for these reasons in that she earns so much more money doing everything but mixed martial arts. Like, she mentioned in her interview with Ariel last week that she earned more money in her run doing Dancing with the Stars and that was what one season that was like what maybe 12 13 episodes um she earned more money doing that than all of her ufc fights combined you know there you go um earns a shit ton of money doing instagram stuff and she still wants to fight she is a beautiful 25 26 year old woman who has name recognition at this point she does not have to fight she's doing this because she wants to she has broken her her i think her right arm like three times in the last year and a half two years and she still wants to fight like i don't yeah. understand the hate you, you, you got her by the way mike make your pick hell sure. no i got amanda Rebus. all right um steph um yeah we're singing pages praises and i remember when she fought uh when rose whooped her ass for five full rounds we were all thinking damn 
Paige is real tough because we all expected her to give up. I mean, that's, um, that's the fight you're going to cite to me? I thought you were going to cite to me uh, the time that I was like the lone loudest voice in that new Sacramento arena after uh, my girl Michelle made easy work of Paige in Sacramento and everyone looked at me with the hate and heat of a thousand suns. Uh, like I, I was very, uh, I was very much in danger in that moment. Um, it wasn't that she was repping team alpha males that they all thought they all like her. She seems like a nice person. Um, I think everything you guys said is correct. Um, I got issues with Paige. It's not entirely her fault. I have never, I'm not particularly a fan. Um, I'm, unequivocally certain she's married to a racist um i'm unequivocally certain she's made apologetic things for he's uh done and shit um but also from the part of oregon she is from and based on my experience it's not entirely surprising either um i'm not saying she's vehemently racist and hostile but um i'm saying she is also the type who would uh very much have the privilege that she would deny exists um She's a complicated figure to me, so I'm not I'm not necessarily malicious against her, but I'm not really on her praise train either. Um, this is a very one-sided match, and it will probably play out as so on the card. All right. Also on this card, uh, Vulcan Ozdemir is on the undercard. Um, Muslim uh, Salahov is on the undercard against uh, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos. Makwan Armir Khani, Mr. Finland himself, making his return to the Octagon. Leonardo Santos returning to the Octagon. Davey Grant, who I think is part of Team Alpha Male. He think he was there. Oh, I'm confused. Never mind. He was just in that season of tough. Um, <laughs> I thought he was from Team Alpha Male. He must have. He wasn't even good enough for them to offer him a spot. Apparently. Um, UFC, though. First fight in Fight Island. I think they're in Fight Island a whole month. Um, and I think they're going back. Uh, in August, because I know DC and um, Stipe is gonna be in Las Vegas, because Las Vegas ain't gonna ain't gonna let a pandemic keep them away from getting some cut of the heavyweight championship of the world, ladies and gentlemen. But there's no gate; it doesn't matter. Las Vegas has to get their cut. All right, they'll find a way. Um, that's it. Um, I'm trying to see if any news has happened. I saw Jorge Masvidal got on a plane to. Abu Dhabi earlier today in a bathrobe. Um, very appropriate. Um, man, living the gimmick. All right, let's do stuff we like. And this segment right here, let's just get off right to the point of the Hamilton section of the uh, <laughs> of the podcast. Um, most of you who would be interested just probably heard the Hamilton film, and film might be a strong word for the filming of a stage production, um, was released on Disney Plus on uh, July 3rd. Um, Hamilton being the global goddamn massive box office hit that it was, um, and, uh, the story of one of our founding fathers, it being appropriate for the 4th of July weekend. Um, so I believe this was a 2015, uh, production of the original cast, um, from Broadway. I think the show started in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I watched it, Steph watched it, Mike watched it, um, Steph and I have actually seen it, not the original cast, we saw the SF production, um, my main takeaways, um, it was great, the original cast is wonderful, um, made me appreciate the SF cast too, because I thought the San Francisco cast did a great job, 
Um, Philippa Sue, who plays Eliza Hamilton, is fucking incredible. She's she's really good. I thought David Diggs, who plays Marquis de Lafayette, and Thomas Jefferson was awesome. And shout out uh, to Leslie Odom Jr. Playing uh, Aaron Burr. And, I mean, I'm not giving credit to the guy who wrote this whole thing, but Lin-Manuel, good job. Um, Mike, what'd you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was excellent. Tens out of tens. Um I was I'm always one of those guys whenever someone says like oh this thing is great and everyone is saying oh this is so great I'm then when I finally watch it or you know read it or whatever it is I'm trying to nitpick what it is that's you know like where it could be bad and I go in there with expectations to try and knock it down a bit and couldn't do that with Hamilton um I was enthralled from the moment I started the uh the the, the show and since the since I finished watching it, I've been listening to the soundtrack uh, nonstop since uh, since Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah. It's it it was great. Before I get to staff, Mike, you uh, I'm asking you this because I didn't really know. I mean, I'm not a big musical guy or Broadway guy at all. Didn't really know who Lin Manuel Miranda was. Um, I know he got famous for In the Heights. Yes. And I'm bringing that up because you are actually from the Heights. Yes. Um, In the Heights is a play about Washington Heights. Um, did you ever see that? Just out of curiosity. <sighs> Looking back now, I very stupidly never saw it. I remember back in the early 2000s when In the Heights was in its uh, first run on uh, on Broadway. Um, the In the Heights posters were, as you can imagine all over the heights and i remember thinking as like an 18 like 17 to like 19 year old kid like oh what's this stupid shit i'm not gonna watch a i'm not gonna watch a fucking play about the heights uh, this gotta be horrible mike's like i mike's like i live the heights i don't need to play it's, it's my life i'm pretty I'm, I, I'm pretty sure at one point looking at the flyers for in the heights i'm like yo i'm in the heights right now i'm on 185th why do i need to go watch a play about this shit be honest, Mike. Did you see that it was made by a Puerto Rican guy? And you're like, fuck that. No, I can't see it. No, um, I, <laughs> I wish I could make that joke. But no, I, I didn't even know Lin-Manuel Miranda was Puerto Rican. I just assumed he was Dominican because well, he was born in the Heights. So he's probably Dominican. It's, it's either, you're either Dominican or Jewish if you're from the Heights. And he's obviously not Jewish. Okay. Um, Steph, your second time. Well, I guess you're... I'm gonna go second time. I think you only saw it live once, right? So this is your second time seeing Hamilton. What'd you uh, think? No, so I ended up getting to see it twice uh, live. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it's really fun. It's 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 really great. Uh, and you know, you guys kind of spoke to it. Um, I actually am a fan of musicals in general, and it's one of those things like it's one of those mediums and art forms you don't think about too often. But um, every once in a while, you get these ones that kind of roll through and they kind of captivate everyone's attention. And Tickets are really, really hard to get. Like, if you don't care about Broadway, if it's not your taste, I won't blame you. But, like, when shows like Hamilton get big, you have to buy the tickets, like, a year in advance, sometimes longer, if you want to get tickets. And Broadway tickets are not cheap. Um, but, like, you know, sport games, we think those are expensive. Fucking the nosebleeds of a Broadway show like this will be like you. You don't mean Broadway specifically, right? You mean just like a play? Broadway plays, you know, whatever yeah, your okay, local yeah, regional, yeah. you know, production of it will might be. And man, like at least in major metropolitan markets like San Francisco, you're gonna pay like three hundred dollars for some shitty seats. Um, mm -hmm. There, you know, so it's a, it's a big investment to see. So I'm just really happy. Like 
I actually, Bob was right when he said movie. My first thought when I heard that was I thought they were making a movie because they've done this with musicals. They did it with Chicago. They did it with Rent. You just kind of expand their production. You maintain the songs and the characters. So when I saw it as a play, I actually caught me off guard because I didn't realize that what it was. But it just made me think I wish they did that more often. Um, like I know Bobby hasn't seen it, but in the same breath, hands down one of the greatest musicals I've ever seen. And I have seen a decent amount in, of the classics as well. But Book of Mormon, holy cow, that was that was one of those, you know, not that Hamilton is the same, but Book of Mormon, what I give it credit for and what Hamilton paves through, it was a new view on musicals that just simply didn't exist. Um, it's basically like every musical was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber for seemingly like three decades there. And there was this one kind of tone to them. And it was just, you know, it's, I think it's why those two did so well was they were a new voice. They were a fresh outlook. And I wish more people could see Book of Mormon. Um, it's one of the funniest things in any medium I've ever seen in my life. Like the amount of like my sides hurt from laughing out loud during that production. No, you guys are talking about Hamilton, but just to say in the same vein, I just kind of hope more of these things. I hope Hamilton leads the way in these being out there and being available to see. In this well, format, uh, at this point, Book of Mormon, Book of Mormons goes on tour a lot. If it comes to your town, make sure you see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was supposed to come back here again. I started seeing ads for the tickets going on sale, but who the hell knows how anything can yeah. be anymore. Um, so I hope they just do this going forward. I hope this, even in a post-COVID world, that they make these things accessible because not everyone can afford a Broadway ticket and not everyone has a town where they'll even come to. So um, there's a lot of really great shows in this format. So I'm just glad more people are getting to see it. But fucking Disney Plus is happy, right? They haven't had anything anyone's wanted to talk about since The Mandalorian. So um, Disney Plus needs that content. Yeah, I don't really. I hadn't opened Disney Plus in a very long time. I just, you know, beginning of the pandemic, I watched some Marvel movies. And then that was really it. Um, I, uh, I, I mean, uh, Mike, let's go with you. I mean, because all I had this week was really to talk about Hamilton. Yeah, but, I guess uh, the one last thing about Hamilton is that my TV is um, it's on its last legs. So every so often, um, I'll get like these weird lines, and the colors will be extremely off on my TV. So I was happy that when I started watching Hamilton. That was one of the like three or four hours of the day where my TV is actually working okay. So thank you to my TV for giving me those three to four hours. Um, besides that, this week, the thing I like is uh, Last of Us, I think. Was it last week you guys talked about Last of Us or was that two weeks ago at this? Two point? weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. This was this will be the third week. Okay. Well, um, I guess it's gonna be week number three because I finally finished Last of Us and it was a uh, it was a great game. Very um very emotional. Um, you get very uh attached to the characters and invested as to how uh, the exploits of the two protagonists goes. And I might not wait seven years um for Last of Us two to be uh, twenty bucks. Um, I may just buy it uh, today. Full retail, Mike. What a commitment. What a commitment. It is. I was going to say, man, do we have to wait another five years if we want your takes on the popular things of today? Um, I guess it depends on what it is. I'm pretty cheap. So uh, I think for most things, it'll remain that way. Fair enough. I'm glad you liked it, though, man. First one is a really, really great ride. Yeah, so that's it for me. Last, last of us. 
All right. Um, Steph, before we go to Mark, did you have anything else this week? Um, I mean, make it. I'm still consuming a lot of uh, Last of Us 2 related content. Um, but uh, I was just going to tell a story. I told Mark about it. I mentioned it before, but I, uh, over this holiday weekend, I finally had a chance to dig into it. Uh, I dug into that uh, PC game I mentioned, Idle Manager. And boy, was my first foray a catastrophe. Bobby, I ended up uh, 1 million yen in debt, and I hadn't even released a single song yet. Like, I just overstaffed, I expanded too soon, I hired too many idols, I ran too many auditions, and hey, I, it only cost me 15,000 yen to release this digital single, but I am so deep in the red. You got, a, cannot, bitch, you got an econ degree. You got an econ degree. You ain't never seen a balance sheet before, Stefan? Come on. I was good at Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> I did okay at the railroad one. But man, this idol thing, I just my eyes got too big. I wanted that nine girl super group, but no, you gotta be reasonable. You gotta start with a three person group. You can't dream big like I did, because uh, boy, I, I tanked. I got a game over real quick. Just so you guys for you guys that don't know the ex the yen to dollar exchange rate, a million yen is about a hundred thousand in uh in debt. That was one week. I played one week and I was Wait, that's on, just a week? Wait, was, the, in, in the game in the game. In the game time thousand dollars worth of that. I, I overstaffed. I, I ran too many auditions. I didn't realize how expensive the auditions were. Yo, catering at Stefan's auditions were all But the let me tell shit. you, those girls that will never have a career, they had a nice break room. They had a, a lobster had a lobster bisque. Quality <laughs> of life was great in that one week. I just ran the capital into the ground. I'm a real what is it, entertainment seven twenty? Uh, just giving my cards away. I was, I was gonna say it's when Homer when Homer becomes a garbage commissioner. My man, like it's, my man, <laughs> he blows the budget in a week. My man out here rents in penthouses in Ginza. Jesus, man! Like it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun, but I got to learn how to play better. Um. All right, uh, Marcus, what do you got this week? Uh, yeah, I'll try to keep it short. Um, have to kind of touch on Last of Us, uh, because me and Steph did beat it. Uh, it is a longer game, so you know, it took a couple weeks to get through it. Um, and there's a lot of varying opinions. You know, it is a very uh, divisive game. Um, I personally, I landed on the side that fucking loved it. And I absolutely loved it. Um, as someone that loves these type of narrative games, this game did stuff that no other game has done. Uh, challenging the player in ways that another game hasn't challenged me before. And making it kind of look back and reflect on yourself and that journey that you go through in that game, I think is fantastic. And it, it honestly, for me, it pushes the medium forward and that's a really pretentious kind of thing to say, but, and, and not everyone is going to feel that when they play it. Obviously, if you look at the conversation that's happening, that's happening around this game, people seem to hate it, you know, and I can understand where that hate comes from. Cause it's kind of fucking the point of the game is like, they literally to get you motivated to do the things the characters have to do. They make you feel the, feelings the character goes through and having that and having the turns and the twist they did in it i loved it beginning to end and honestly to to kind of give some perspective on that um i'm kind of like mike when people are kind of put in and, and obviously it was divisive before i went into it but a lot of people were saying like oh towards the end they really you know things took a turn that didn't go so i'm looking the whole time like what's this thing that is putting people in a different mindset than i am because i'm loving every step of the way i'm like i'm loving it i love this and i'll and, and and it, it never gave it, it, it. I never came to that point where I was like, "Oh, this is where it turned," and I don't quite like it. Like, it clicked for me all the way through, and um, it's just you know, I mean, stories and games is something that it, strong narrative is fairly new. 
Um, and they're definitely lagging behind when you come to other literary works like books, movies, TV. Those mediums have much more interesting, varied stories. And I think this is one of the biggest fortes for video games to say, like, we can do that. We can do some of this narrative stuff. And in some aspects, we can do it better because we're putting you in the shoes of that character and we're making you do the things that they're actually having to do. So you're not just a bystander that you're just consuming the story. You're actually part of it. Now, part of the thing people don't like is that you don't control the narrative. This story is going to play out the way that the people that made it made it to be. And a lot of people don't like that because I think there's a lot of games now where you have agency as the player to diverge how the story is going to play out. And and that's that's a fantastic thing that this medium does so well is that they can give you, the person that's consuming this product, the ability to shape the story in the way you want. And this game doesn't do that. Um, and the characters do shit that for us reasonable people that haven't lived in a zombie apocalypse, like, why are you doing this? This is not a rational thing to do because we know about like these storylines and how they end but um it just nailed it just hit it for me so hard um i love that game uh after beating it i just think about it all the time it's like when we watch a good movie and mike and uh and sorry uh bob and steph know this like we used to watch movies and then we'd hang out like a bunch of loiters in front of the movie theater talking about the movie talking about the film for 40 minutes and the different nuances and the different things we liked and this game does that where there is long conversations you know three plus hours about the different things this game tries to do and some things it accomplishes well and some things it doesn't different opinions, all that good stuff. Um, I personally loved it. Um, and I definitely encourage Mike because you played it. Um, you don't have to go out and buy it right away. I was going to say like you wait around black Friday, this, these PS4 exclusive games will definitely go on sale for around like I ex expect 40, 30 bucks. I mean, so Mike, let me ask you a question based on base answer this question to know when you should pick the game up. How ready are you to feel emotional trauma? Do you want to feel some emotional trauma in your life? Because that's about how urgent you need to be about picking this game up. My guy, it is July of 2020. We have had six months of emotional trauma. Dude, I'm inoculated to that shit. <laughs> oh, did, oh. Did you beat Red Dead yet? Let me say, Mike, that, that is what I will refer to your as your famous last words. Because, <laughs> did you beat um, Red Dead? Are you like talking they, to me, Bob? Yeah, did you beat Red Dead yet? Let me ask that question. Uh, I haven't beaten yet? Red Dead. I haven't beaten Persona 5. I haven't beaten Spider-Man. I haven't beaten a lot of shit. As your financial advisor, un, you know, unwarranted and un, uh, you know, not hired, I would suggest you beat one of those games first. Well, Just put that Mike, as not your financial manager, it sounds like the, your first point of order is you need a new TV. That's what it is first time. You, you got color only sometimes of the day. Sounds uh, like you need a TV. But, Man, I was getting ready. I, I was get, getting ready. I get color. It's just that the color won't be what the color should be. So it'll be a different Man, color. So, I was getting ready. I was getting ready to dump on whatever Stefan said, just to be like, "Look at this! This man ran a, a million yen into uh, of spending expenditure in one week." But, but he, my, he made a good point. Bobby, my my girls, they had a TV in their break room. Okay, <laughs> you gotta <laughs> you gotta have a good TV. Well, well my Mike, why don't you explain when uh, how old that TV is that you got? Uh, so much like a puppy you get from the pound, we have to go from the date that we actually picked it up. So we don't know how old the TV actually is, but we know when we bought it. So we got it, if I'm right, it was the summer of 2009. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, summer of 2009. Uh, Bobby, myself, and uh, oh, he's actually been on the podcast now. Uh, Sal, we were moving in together for our second year of law school. 
and we needed a TV for the living room. And we thought, all right, let's, we need two things. We need the TV to be big as fuck and as cheap as possible. So we went to Best Buy and we saw the TVs there and we saw this one TV that we really liked. It was a Dynex TV. It was about 52 inches. And we thought, all right, yeah, we'll pay, I guess, like 700, 750 bucks for, for this TV. And I forget which one of us thought, hey, why don't we see if we can get the floor model version of that TV? It's only 500 bucks. Yeah, you know, like you would think that'd be me, but I don't think I was there for this part because I would definitely be the one to say, let's get the fucking used one and save ourselves fucking 30%. But yes, man's got an 11 year old TV. All right. 11 years old. It's got to go. It's, it's lasted a long time. And uh, as I told Bobby and Sal the other day, I was a little sad, you know, because it's always been a nice uh, little reminder, a uh, memento of the time when we lived together. Stefan, this man's getting sad about a TV. You think he's ready for emotional trauma? Oh, he thinks he. As Homer <laughs> said to, to Bart in the movie, is this is just your worst day so far, Mike. There's, there's still plenty of room to fall. I gotta go figure out what episode was the Garbage Man episode. I'm telling you, when Homer blew the budget in like four days, that was, that's a good one. Um, all right, boys oh, and girls. Hold, on, hold uh, on, hold on. You just fucking jacked my things we liked. I didn't get to finish any of the shit I wanted. I just got talking. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I hit with a 20-minute tirade about Mike's fucking old TV. You're not cutting me off. There's two more fucking I'm sorry. things. Get used to it. One, Iron Man VR came out. It's all right, but you're, there's so many fucking loading screens, and you're stuck, and you're... You, Here's a real shit. When you're in VR and there's a fucking loading screen all the time, you can't get away from that shit because you're fucking sitting in it. You can't look at your phone. So it, uh, Iron Man, you know, every 15 minutes you play, you have to wait four minutes for the next loading screen, and it's it's quite painful. Do and you the, get a visual it, in there? Or is it just saying it has like a loading screen where you can flip through some pictures, but it's mostly just like, get this Iron Man outfit if you kill this much shit. It, it's not captivating enough, and it's long. It's real long. It's painful. Um... The last legit thing that we haven't talked about before that I super recommend, except good luck consuming this because you have to, the only place it's on is DC Universe and who the fuck wants to pay for that shit? But um, uh, Eddie, our mutual friend that made our logo, uh, last week he told me this Harley Quinn cartoon is pretty fucking good and funny. And honestly, like just like we do on the show, it's a recommendation. I was like, whatever, maybe I'll check it out. He sent me a clip. I watched the clip. 10 seconds in, I was like, I need to show Christine this because she's going to fucking love this shit. We watched it, and the next thing I know, I was like, I have to watch this. I don't know how I'm going to get it, but I'm going to figure out how to consume this, whether I have to pay you YouTube for it or whatever. Um, luckily, I have access to a Plex that happens to have it, so it's a very easy transition for me. For you personally, you might need to get a free trial of DC Universe. I would say it's worth it. Um, as someone that does not like DC all that much and actively doesn't want to get into it. I have enough fandoms right now that I'm into. I don't need to get obsessed about DC and buy all these fucking graphic novels and, sh and figurines and shit. But honestly, for me, Bobby, this probably hyper hyperbole to you. It's a, it's my favorite DC cartoon. Um, Batman animated series is a completely different beast than this because I was gonna say I don't know I don't know why I got targeted for a because I know you love like, Batman uh... animated series and Batman animated series is fucking awesome. Um, okay. But I like honestly like a funny show that actually hits like comedy. I think is almost harder to do sometimes. I, I heard about this thing actually. Yeah. I and saw it, it like a couple days ago. Really so, yeah. And you know, having seen people talk about it and seeing screenshots, the animation style did not bring me in at all. I had to see that clip. Um, it's on YouTube. It's like Bane's best scenes from season one. Um, and that doesn't even really tell you the story because the show is extremely violent. 
Um, I guess because they don't have a rating system, like this shit's hard R, um, and they curse a lot. And and honestly, if you're even quasi interested, besides watching that clip on YouTube, Bane's best scenes or whatever, go to IMDb and look at that VO cast because that's a list of fucking killers, and these people are fucking killing it. Bobby Wanda Sykes plays one of the most badass characters I've ever like seen, and I mean, there's so many Ron Funches fucking fucking kills it. JB Smooth, oh my god! Like, Trucky, what is JB Trucky? He, he's Trucky. He, Poison Ivy is probably like co-starring in this. It's almost like the Poison Ivy uh, Harley Quinn show, and JB Smooth plays like Ivy's man-eating Venus flytrap, yes. and he's just all attitude. And the show's just really good. I, I was blown away. Um, so I mean, the biggest hurdle is how are you going to watch this shit? Um, you, it's only on DC Universe. I think you can buy it on YouTube and stuff. I think they're shutting down DC Universe. And, and, I mean, maybe it's going to go to HBO Max. Maybe it's already on HBO. That's Max. what I, I think. Know. I think that might be. I just canceled HBO Max. I don't know if I'll check it out. And see it, if it's, it's still legit. on there. I mean, whatever you got to do well, to, to a, a, a life pro tip that uh, our dear friend Eddie recently told me was um, so his one week trial uh, ran out. And for shits and giggles, using the same exact email, he tried to sign up for the free trial again. It worked. So <laughs> he's just Eddie. Apparently, is just rolling over this one week free trial. Um, so, so give it a shot. I mean, and, and how I it's it's basically Venture Brothers with a little bit of Rick and Morty wrapped around DC Universe, like actually having fun with the universe because there's some fucking weird ass characters they pull. Um, but yeah, it, it's really fantastic. I still have to. I still have episodes in the second season to watch through, but uh, it's been great. I totally recommend it. Yeah, Mark sent me the Bane clip, uh, completely co-sign it. Um, that Bane clip was one of like the best three minutes of anything I've watched on YouTube in some time. Um, yeah, and you, for what you compared it to, that was with the instant vibes I got. It reminds me of the best of Adult Swim. Yeah. And just yeah. that whole vibe, that whole thing, you know. Used to love watching that in college. And like just that type of humor, that adult animated comedy. Like, Mark's right. It's a lot of things come out under those kind of genres and tropes. But to actually hit it, um, that that is a tough part, and the comedy writing is excellent. And it? I will say, me, backing up, maybe not the best DC thing. Batman anime series is fantastic. So is Young Justice. But I have to. Get I was that. gonna say, I, I, to, th I thought Young Justice. Look, I'm gonna really say, y'all better stand by Batman because it downed the Simpsons and our animated run, and I still don't feel great about that. So y'all, y'all, y'all three pushing Batman on me, you better stand by but, that. But, but I, I, I don't think I just it's... shotgun blast that like hyperbole to get you to be like, oh, maybe I need to. <laughs> watch this to, to get you because i know i know how hard it is we all we recommend shit every week and i we we all know like if you guys even look at one of the things we recommend a week like that's huge i don't expect anyone to like you know go after all the games i talk about on a weekly basis but this is good enough where it's like and so is like hamilton and half the shit we talk about because there's just so much good entertainment out there but yeah it's great harley Quinn, totally recommend it i thought dragon ball z took out the simpsons honestly but that's just you know my guess. Um, should we be watching? Should we be watching Doom Patrol? I heard that's good too. I can't. I haven't seen it yet, but I'll try it. I know. I know the second season is on HBO Max. The first season I think was on DC Universe. So I said you just gotta wait, man. The fact that DC didn't roll out with HBO Max was really weird. There's no way this thing is sustainable on its own. So it's just remember, a matter of time well, before I, it gets rolled in. Do you remember when I, I got I got HBO Max and I messaged all you guys? Hey, DC is in here. And then I looked at it. I'm like, wait, no. Some of it is like um, there was like all the Batman movies, and that was pretty much it. So, anyway, um, guys, we'll be back next week. There are two fight cards: one on a Wednesday again or Thursday, don't know. Followed by uh, the Saturday card. Um, 
the Wednesday card headlined by a really cool fight between uh, Calvin Qatar and Dan Ige. Uh, co-main event, Frankie Edgar versus somebody. And uh, Carlos Barza also on that card. Um, then on the following Saturday, um, another good one. Davis and Figueredo. Joseph Benavidez is going to run it back. We'll see if having to fly across the world during a pandemic and take 17 tests is going to make Figueredo have an easier time making weight. If it's not clear, I don't think it will. Um, co-main event, Danson, Jack Hermanson, Kelvin Gastelum. Um, and uh, yeah, not a bad card there either. Um, be back next week, as I mentioned. Thank you all for listening so much. I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. See you all next week. Peace out. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.